0: We are continuing the series called The Church, which is His Body, emphasizing our role in the earth and emphasizing that we are His agents in the earth. And uh, we've, we've covered, I, I was going to go back and, and uh, re- review all of the topics, but, but we just covered a number of topics. And, of course, for some time now, we've been in the gifts, the spiritual gifts that Jesus imparts. And uh, we dealt with the leadership gifts, we dealt with the gifts that are differing, that come from the Father. Today we're going to start uh, a series within a series again called the dynamic gifts of the Spirit. And I I say that almost tongue-in-cheek, and that's because sometimes we think of these nine gifts as more dynamic than maybe the gift of administration or the gift of help's Or the gift of giving. And the truth is. It's the same Holy Spirit. That administers all of these gifts. But the nine gifts. That we will study over the next several weeks. uh, We're going to call them. Almost tongue in cheek. The the dynamic gifts. Um, And. As you see that these nine gifts. Are given. First of all to benefit the body of Christ. Now. Let me just give a little bit of, a, of history. Um, uh, on August the 3rd of 1960, a, an Episcopal priest by the name of Dennis Bennett stood up to his church in Van Nuys, California, and told them that he had been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and he was now a tongue talker. Well, they promptly asked him to leave. <laughs> He was promptly, promptly removed. Well, actually, they pressured him, and he decided to resign rather than cause trouble. He was immediately sought out and uh, and uh, put in place as the priest or the pastor of a, an Episcopal church in Seattle, Washington, uh, where he served many years. They knew his experience with the Lord, and uh, yet they still wanted him. Some people mark the beginning of what became to be known as the Charismatic Renewal or the Charismatic Movement. Some people mark that movement from when Dennis Bennett announced that he had been baptized in the Spirit. Now, I don't know how you can mark a movement, but some people mark that. And this is when, uh, for many years after, after this, the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, particularly these nine gifts began to be introduced into mainline denominations. But heretofore, it would have been almost strictly Pentecostal churches that you would have heard about or or experienced these nine gifts. And the truth is, in a lot of ways, uh, the teaching on these gifts had not really been in-depth anywhere. But this began just a revival of teaching and a revival of seeing God using Uh, particularly in those days, these nine gifts. And that's, you know, the Greek word that we get the word gifts from is the word charisma, which is why it was called the charismatic renewal. There are obviously remnants of that today. Um, The truth is, in some circles, if you say you're a charismatic church, you scare people off. You scare me off because some of what goes along with that is embarrassing to me. But because of that, we can't neglect the gifts of the Spirit, the nine gifts of the Spirit. So they are given for the benefit of the body of Christ, and as we'll touch on later, but they're also given us to aid us in our engaging with those outside the kingdom of God. We'll come back to that. We're going to deal with that in a little bit. And I'm going to give you this definition that I I, I gave you earlier. Spiritual gifts are the impartation of the supernatural qualities of God the Father for the benefit of the body of Christ and the whole of the community. Supernatural qualities of God. And that's what we're going to focus on. Excuse me. We're going to focus on the supernatural qualities of God and how he uses us. So if you haven't already turned to 1 Corinthians 12, if you would do so, And if you would stand with me while we read 1 through 7, and then we're going to skip down to 11. Verse 1, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now down in verse 11. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. You can be seated. Just by way of clarification and definition, when you see in verse 11... In the English standard, all these are empowered. The original word there is the word where we get our energy. You could say that he activates. As a matter of fact, I think the Tree of Life version does say that there, that he activates these and he distributes them. So don't forget that it's the Holy Spirit who activates the gifts and it's the Holy Spirit who distributes the gifts. And not only does he distribute the gifts, but he distributes them according to how he wills. Don't forget that part. Now, I got to back up just a little bit. In 1 Corinthians 5 9, Paul makes this statement I wrote to you in my letter. In other words, 1 Corinthians is not the first letter that Paul wrote to the church of Corinth. He wrote another one that we don't have for whatever reason. We'll find out in. If you read the whole thing in 7, chapter 7, verse 1 and 25, chapter 8, verse 1, 16, 1 and 12, we find out that the church at Corinth wrote him a letter, which we don't have. But throughout this letter, (coughs) excuse me, throughout this letter, Paul says, now concerning this, which means they wrote him in a letter asking him about something. And there are a number of topics that they wrote him asking about. And he, when he says in the text, now concerning this, he's, he's replying to their letter. And this is one of those occasions. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts. In other words, they had asked him about spiritual gifts. We don't know what they had asked, but they asked something about spiritual gifts. And he's replying to them. And so the first thing he says to them is, now concerning the spiritual gifts, We don't want you to be uninformed or ignorant. Or if you come from as far south as I do, ignorant. I I come from L.A., lower Alabama. It's actually northwest Florida, but it's really lower Alabama. Ignorance is not bliss, Paul is saying to the church. Ignorance is not bliss because ignorance had caused... Confusion and abuse in this church with the spiritual gifts. They had, uh, you know, as we read the entire text, they had really went wild. They had went crazy. I've lived long enough and been to enough Pentecostal and charismatic churches that I have seen what Paul talked about. I've seen excesses. I've seen misuse. I've seen things that were blamed on the Holy Spirit that he had nothing to do with. And yet Paul says ignorance is not bliss. You need to know. You need to know about spiritual gifts. The Corinthians had become, had come to regard the gifts as an end in themselves. They were, they were what they were, that's what, this was the end of what they were looking for. This was the goal for them to exercise these spiritual gifts. Now, it's interesting that I put in my notes a story that I heard Brother Charles Simpson tell more than once. How many of you get his newsletter in the mail? A teaching newsletter. If you don't, you can, it's free. This in the latest newsletter, he mentions this story. Great minds think alike, you know. Anyway. He, he mentions that he was talking about in those days that we, we were involved in the charismatic renewal. How many people just running around? You know, just looking for to exercise a gift, and he said so the Lord showed him something. He showed him a mailman carrying the mail, and the mailman walked into a yard and saw a dog, and the dog become aggressive, and so the mailman grabbed a stick, dropped the mailbag, grabbed a stick, and you know, shooed the dog, dog away. And he said, "That's pretty good." So what he did, what the mailman did, was he had that stick. He said, "That's pretty cool." So then he starts roaming the neighborhood looking for more dogs <laughs> to get rid of. And that's what a lot of charismatics did back in the day. They found out a gift. Oh, let's go chase some demons. Or let's go, let's go do, let's go look for something. And Brother Charles pointed out that the Lord showed him that in that, in that scenario, the mailman had forgotten that his job was to deliver the mail, not chase dogs. The gifts of the Spirit are not given to us so we can just exercise gifts, but they're given to us so we can advance the kingdom of God. He does tell us in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 1, we're not going to turn, uh, to earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Don't be afraid of what might happen or what might not happen, but desire spiritual gifts. Now, let God decide what he does, how he does it, and when he does it, but desire God to use you in the spiritual gifts. As a matter of fact, it says Be zealous. Be zealous for God to use you with spiritual gifts. Now, we we talked about this a lot, but I can't overemphasize this point, and that's the administrating Holy Spirit. The administrating Holy Spirit, because verse 7, and we've talked about this before, but verse 7 teaches us that the gifts of the Spirit are a manifestation of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are not just gifts that God gives us. The gifts of the Spirit are not just gifts that we have access to. They weren't laying over on a shelf in heaven. And God said, I think I'm going to pull that one off and give that one down. No, it's the Holy Spirit. Everybody say the Holy Holy Spirit. Manifesting himself in the moment. The gifts are who he is, not what he gives us. You see that? Thank you, Lord. And so it says in verse 4, it says that there are varieties or diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. In verse 5, it says there are diversities of service or servings, but the same Lord. In verse 6, it says there are diversities of activities or energies. But the same God. Now why do I bring that up? And why do I think Paul wrote it like that? The Holy Spirit. The Lord. Which we usually refer to the Lord Jesus. And the Father. God the Father. This is a reference to the Trinity. We see the Trinity right there in those three verses. And why is that important? Now listen to this if you don't hear anything else. I hope you hear something else. But if you don't hear it. We can never separate the gifts from the Godhead. We, we can't just be, see the gifts as a stick to use. But we must see the gifts as the Godhead. As God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit ministering through us to people. Never. We can never separate the gifts from the Godhead. You say, well, we'd never do that. Well, I've watched people who did. We have to be careful. Just some observations about... uh, By the way, we're not touching on any of the gifts today in case you're waiting. Next week, we'll deal with the word of wisdom. Word of wisdom to you is to be here if you want to hear it. (laughs) My job is done. (laughs) Observations about spiritual gifts. First of all... uh, they should be exercised outside the church walls as well as within the church setting. In the in the early seventies, when we were involved in the charismatic movement and we dis- we were discovering these gifts and people were teaching on them and writing books on them, and we were just like a sponge so- soaking it all in. And you know, I-, I grew up in the Methodist Church. I'd never heard any teaching on this kind of thing. And uh, although John Wesley probably would have thought this was great. Anyway, the reason they call them Methodists is because of the methods of their worship. Anyway, that's another topic. Uh, but one of the things we did back then is we, we thought, man, this is great. Let's, let's get in a group. We had, we had uh, cell meetings back there, home groups, before home groups were popular. And uh, we would gather, let's, let's impress one another with our gifts. Let's, and you know what? That's a great place to learn to exercise the gifts of the Spirit. But somehow, I don't know, maybe I was the only one, but somehow we missed the point. Man, one of the best places to use the gifts of the Spirit are in publics, <laughs> Or the post office. Or the playground. Or the gym. So we, the gifts of the Spirit and the nine gifts that we'll study are to be used not only in a church setting, that's fine, and they should be but we don't need to neglect the fact that God gave us these these are dynamic supernatural gifts some of the best tools of evangelism you'll ever you'll ever see all right here's another one gifts of spirit are not intended to make us spooky or weird now for some of you it's too late i can't help you but too many times I run across people who are walking in the spirit or hopefully walking in the spirit. And it's like Bob Mumford said one time, there are people who see green angels on blue bicycles with polka dotted hats. I'm going, okay, Lord, or pointed hats. I I don't need spooky and I don't need weird. God is not weird. The Holy Spirit is not weird. And if you're spooked, that's a spook. Not the Holy Spirit. Different, yes, but not spooky. And here's another one I hate to have to deal with, but the gifts, the exercise of the gifts of the Spirit are not a badge to wear. I speak in tongues and you don't. you seen them. I, I think I told you about being in a Happy Goodman's concert one time. And this boyfriend of me and Vestal started speaking in tongues and. He was sitting there kind of calm as she started speaking in tongues. And he jumped up and started shaking his fist like he had won a war or something. I don't know, won a game. And what it was was, oh, take that, you Baptist. It was the gift of the Holy Spirit that kept me from smacking him inside the head. And I was a tongue talker, not a badge. Oh, you know, oh Lord, I, it doesn't mean one is more spiritual than another. Right. Can I tell you the difference between a gift and a fruit? We'll deal with this again next week, but fruit of the Holy Spirit is what God works in us. It's actually the fruit of being with the Spirit, it's the results of our being with the Holy Spirit. And that is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, and etc., etc. And those things, they speak something of our character. That we have allowed the Holy Spirit to work this in our character. But I want to tell you that the gift of the Holy Spirit says nothing about you. Nothing. If I, at Christmas, you know, you may give a gift to someone and you... And they may like you, but the gift speaks of you, not them. And God gives you a gift. All that says is God gave you a gift. Now I'm going to really make your ears smoke. Sometimes God imparts gifts to people and their character doesn't match up to the gift. The Bible says the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. So, how is it that a man who does healing services and fills up literally and legitimately, fills up dump trucks full of wheelchairs and crutches, how is it this man dies, an alcoholic, of cirrhosis of the liver in a motel room? Because the gift had nothing to do with him. It, had, it spoke nothing of his character. You say, Is God, is he crazy? He's God. And you're not going to hear anything I say from here on out. I know that's the other coming. <laughs> don't, don't mistake the difference between a gift and the fruit of the Spirit. Thank God he gives us gifts and he allows us to use gifts. But don't think because God uses you in a a particular area with a particular gift for in a particular time, don't think that's God saying, okay, you're, you're my great, mighty servant. Well, you may be, but the gift doesn't say that. The fruit says that. You all right with that? Can I continue? Paul tells us that without agape, without love, The gifts are just noise. They're just noise. They work, but they're just noise. And so what I want to talk about for a moment, that the gifts of the Spirit are momentary access to the non-communicable attributes of God. That's a mouthful. Momentary access. Now, we're not turning, but Exodus 34, 5 through 7, Moses says to God, show me your glory. And God says, I'm going to show you my glory. And here's what I'm going to do, Moses. I'm going to take you. I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock. I'm going to turn you around. And I'm going to put my hand over you. And I'm going to turn my back to you. And I'm going to pass by. By the way, he's in the cleft of the rock. God's hand is over him. God's back passes by. And Moses still comes down the mountain with white hair. That's what happened to me. not <laughs> as the lord passes by moses he says the lord the lord is his name and then he gives the characteristics of who he is he gives a glimpse of his glory so we can know how he wants to be represented and he says he's a god of compassion he's gracious or full of grace, he's slow to anger, he's abounding in mercy, he's a god of truth or faithfulness to the truth. He's a covenant. He's a god of covenant faithfulness or loyalty. He's a god who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. And by the way. Throughout the rest of the Old Testament especially, you find these characteristics. They're repeated over and over again. People will say, God, you are a God of, and they'll list these characteristics, especially covenant and slow to anger. These are hidden attributes that you and I are called upon to reveal to the world. God reveals these attributes through his church to the world. You and I are called to be people of compassion. To be people who are covenantal f- faithfulness. We're called to be people who are slow to anger. You know, the list goes on. We're called to do that. Again, that's God working his character in us. And what you can't see, you can't see God. Then you see these attributes in you and me. But these are called the communicable attributes of God. In other words, these are the attributes that God wants us to communicate to the world. Now, you know, you could do a checklist or a report card there, but uh, we won't do that. The gifts of the Spirit, Lord, help us to see this. Now we're dealing with what I call, I'm not the first one to do this, the non-communicable attributes of God. Now, what are those? What are the the attributes of God that we're not going to communicate on a regular basis? How about self-revealed? How about infinite, eternal? He's a spirit being. He's omniscient, he's omnipotent, and he's omnipresent. He knows everything, he's all-powerful, and he's everywhere. You you and I, the church, cannot be these things. You can't be eternal except that you're going to live forever, but you're not eternal now. You're temporal. You, You can't be infinite. In the in the current state that we're in, one day we will be infinite, but right now in this in this piece of body right here, we're not infinite. We can't. So these are the these are the attributes of God that we don't communicate. What does that have to do with anything? Well, for one thing, is understanding that sin came because this is what mankind wanted. Think about it. Sin came because this is because sin said. I will be like God. Sin said, I will be a God unto myself. And Adam and Eve fell for that deception. And so God had to get them out of the garden. The cross is about God removing us out of his space. And occupying the space he has made for us. The cross is about saying to us, you can't get into my spot. I have a spot for you. Now, having said that, in that spot, in that place, we are to be channels, say channels, of the supernatural in the earthly realm. In other words, in momentary glimpses, and we'll come back to that, God, in momentary glimpses, God allows us to touch people's lives with the non-communicable attributes of God. We don't possess those attributes, but we allow him to minister through us in moments of his power. And what we're actually doing is we're introducing eternity into the present. Think about it. We live in a natural world. We, We live in a natural body. But we're full of a supernatural Holy Spirit. And we, we walk in eternity. And so in moments of the exercising of the gifts of his spirit, we are introducing eternity into the present. We're, we're introducing the supernatural into the natural. Lord. We have a supernatural mission. You've heard me say this. We have a supernatural mission in that our job to go and make disciples of all nations, our job starts when we find that person in the kingdom of darkness and we, through, the, through God's help and through the power of his Holy Spirit, we shine the light, we share the gospel, and we see this person removed from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, his dear son. And that can only be accomplished by the supernatural. You cannot talk people into God's kingdom. You can't reason people into God's kingdom. You cannot just convince them with words only, but you can convince them with words empowered by the Holy Spirit. So there's a supernatural mission that we have to see people come out of a kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his son. And so the supernatural mission requires supernatural gifts. We can't do it in the natural. Maybe, maybe our lack of success in some ways is because we've always tried to do it naturally. We've tried to, we've tried to argue people Into the kingdom. I I don't think that's ever happened. Okay. Briefly, characteristics of these nine gifts. These nine, particularly, I'm going to say they're not permanent. And here's what I mean I'm going to give an example. We will get to eventually the word of knowledge. Word of knowledge is simply a word, watch this, of knowledge. I studied a long time to get that. Y'all come on, be impressed. <laughs> word of knowledge. Aren't you glad that God people don't walk around with the word of knowledge all the time? Have you ever have you ever been around someone that you knew had operated in the word of knowledge at some point, and you walk up and you say, "Oh Lord, I hope I don't hope they don't see what I'm yeah, thinking." No. You don't want to get around a prophet because you think, well, he knows everything I'm doing. It's not the way it works. It's momentary. It's not permanent. It's momentary powers to affect the supernatural into someone's life. They are a manifestation of God's divine presence of his energy. The gifts of the spirit are when an ordinary human being is suddenly given an illumination or ability to be a channel for God's supernatural power. Let me let me say this: different. You know, we'll get to this next week, but this is an example. Differentiate between the wisdom that we're all supposed to walk in all the time, and the word of wisdom. They're two different things. We should all have the knowledge of God and the knowledge that he gives us, but that's different than that momentary word of knowledge. If you've ever operated in the word of knowledge, you know what I'm talking about. You all of a sudden know something about somebody. You think you know something, and it scares you to death. And you say to them, hey, uh, what about this? Is this happening in your life? And they start crying. Why do they start crying? Because you're not supposed to know that. And you don't know it all the time. Of course, now now they're afraid that any time they get around you, it's not the way it works. It's a word. It's momentary. And by the way, I know that some people operate in some of the gifts more than others. Like some people operate in the gift of healing more than the gift of whatever. That doesn't mean that you can't. That doesn't mean you can't operate in all nine gifts as God apportions to you. It's all about the Holy Spirit. It's all about the Holy Spirit administering these gifts. It's not about you and I do not have a switch we can turn on and off. I mean, my goodness, if that was the case, if someone was walking around the gift of healing, I mean, everybody in the post office would be running to them. doesn't work that way. It may. It may be in that moment. But it's not like it's permanent. The Spirit filled life Bible says it this way. The Holy Spirit bestows the gifts to whom he wills as the occasion recommends from the divine viewpoint. You encounter a person. I think the word of knowledge, and again, we'll get to that later. I think it's probably one of the best evangelistic tools we have. I think I remember Jim uh, Laverty talking about one time being at someone's house cleaning their carpet, someone in the music business, and uh, stopped cleaning the carpet, and he said, Hey, uh, what about such and such? I forget what it was. And it was something that there was no way he could know. And the guy said, Do what? He said, Yeah, what about, how did you know that? It was a word of knowledge. You can disarm a moment when you say to a person. Keith Curley spoke here one time. Somebody remember Keith Curley and Keith and Betsy. Um, Keith ministers mostly in Beirut, Lebanon, not that Lebanon. And he was preaching one time in, in Beirut and a, a, and a man started to come down the aisle. It was obvious he was coming down the aisle with not great intentions, and he was he was uh, threatening violence against Keith in the midst of this service, and the guy he just you know just violent, and the Holy Spirit said to Keith, "Ask him why he's committing adultery." Now, for one thing, it takes some fortitude to do that. But what Keith did is he came down from the, wherever he was and he went up and he whispered in the guy's ear. The guy's ready to do the harm. Whispered in his ear. I guess he talked, I guess Keith speaks Arabic, I'm not sure. But anyway, he said, Why are you committing adultery on your wife? No way he could know that. The guy had his knees began sobbing, ultimately accepted Christ. Why? Because in that moment, you see, Keith, I know Keith, a good friend of mine. Keith's not walking around all the time knowing everything we're doing and everything we're thinking. But in that moment, the Holy Spirit helped him and gave him that gift in that moment. That's what I mean by momentary. And the key to all of this it was stated in the scripture is that these gifts are given to each one for the common good. Some of the, some of the versions actually say that it's given to profit the body of Christ. P-R-O-F-I-T. The body of Christ. And so as we study these gifts over the next number of weeks, um, think about these things. Think about that you can operate in all of them but thank God if he uses you with just one of them don't see the gifts as a stick to chase demons or to chase situations or t- think of the whole, the gifts as the as the holy spirit manifesting himself through you and then 1 Corinthians 14:1 desire spiritual gifts The last verse of this chapter, I'm not going to. Deal, I, don't, I don't. I hate getting complicated. The last verse of this chapter says, "You desire earnestly the spiritual gifts, or you desire gifts, and there can be a twofold definition there." Let me just read it, what it says in the ESV. I hate misquoting it. He says, "But earnestly desire the higher gifts." The verb there can either be imperative, which is the way this is translated. Imperative being you desire spiritual gifts. But a lot of reputable Bible scholars think that that could be indicative. In other words, indicating something. And here's how how that would sound. You are desiring the higher gifts, but I show you a more excellent way. You say, what are the higher gifts? Well, that's a good point. That's a good question. The Corinthians had identified what they thought were the higher gifts. One commentator said it appears that the Corinthians were ignoring the gifts of helps and administration and giving and encouragement because they thought these nine were the higher gifts and of more value. Now, whether or not that is the case or not the case, you can determine between imperative and indicative. Whether or not that's the case, here's the point. He said, boy, the Lord used me yesterday with the gift of miracles, the gift of working of miracles. I sure wish he would give me the gift of healing. Well, he may, but what makes us think one's greater than the other one? Because they're all, everybody say all, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. You good with that? Stand with me.